you a great week ahead, Africa. This is VOA News. Reporting via remote, I'm Richard Green. The head of the United Nations Food Agency is warning the spike in food, fuel, and fertilizer prices sparked by the war in Ukraine is threatening to push countries around the world into famine. Global destabilization, starvation, and mass migration on an unprecedented scale. We have to act, and we have to act today to avert this looming catastrophe. David Beasley also told a high-level U.N. meeting Wednesday, the latest analysis shows a record 345 million acutely hungry people are marching to the brink of starvation. That's up from 276 million in January 2022 before the start of the war in Ukraine. Before the war, Ukraine and Russia together accounted for almost a third of the world's wheat and barley exports and half of its sunflower oil. Beasley called for an urgent political solution that would allow Ukrainian wheat and grain to re-enter global markets. Protesters gathered in front of the British Prime Minister's official residence at 10 Downing Street in London Wednesday night, demanding Boris Johnson's resignation. Prime Minister Johnson continued to defy pressure to quit from senior ministers and a mounting rebellion within his ruling conservative party, saying he will fight off any attempts to oust him over a series of scandals. After more than 40 resignations from within the government and with many conservative lawmakers in open revolt, a source says some cabinet ministers went to Downing Street to tell Johnson he needed to go. Many lawmakers said it was now a question of when, not if, he must go. Among those calling for Johnson's resignation is Suella Braverman, the Attorney General for England and Wales. This is VOA News. Braverman also became the first cabinet minister to say that... Eric Reinhardt says 21-year-old Robert Cremo is being held without bail. He admitted to what he had done. Deputy Chief Chris Cavelli says Cremo didn't stop there after he fled the Highland Park mass shooting dressed as a woman. While he was driving and he located this celebration occurring in the Madison area, he contemplated another attack with the firearm he had in his car. But Cavelli says instead Cremo drove back to Illinois where he was arrested. Meanwhile, motive is under investigation. However, he uh, had some type of affinity towards the number four and seven and inverse was seven four. Cavelli says it apparently comes from music the aspiring rapper likes. I'm Julie Walker. U.S. President Joe Biden has told the wife of women's basketball star Brittany Griner that he's working to free the WNBA player from detention in Russia. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. The White House says the president called Sherelle Griner to offer both support and a pledge to secure her wife's release. The call came two days after Brittany Griner told the president in a letter she fears spending forever in a Russian jail. She's been held four months after being accused of having vape cartridges containing cannabis oil and is now on trial. The administration says the president's written his own letter to Griner and read a draft of it to her wife. Sagar Magani at the White House. Russia has agreed to continue humanitarian aid deliveries from Turkey to rebel-held northwest Syria for six months, not the one-year period called for by U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres and many U.N. Security Council members, as well as over 30 humanitarian aid organizations. Currently, aid has been delivered through one crossing for a year, 
which expires Sunday. The U.N. Security Council has scheduled a vote for Thursday to vote on a, on a resolution to continue cross-border deliveries. Recapping our top story, the head of the United Nations Food Agency is warning the spike in food, fuel, and fertilizer prices sparked by the war in Ukraine is threatening to push countries around the world into famine. David Beasley says the result will be global destabilization, starvation, and mass migration on an unprecedented scale. You can find more on this story and all the stories we're covering at voanews.com. Reporting via remote, I'm Richard Green for VOA News. Today is Thursday, July 7th, and this is VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedo Afo in Washington. Coming up in the next half hour, Ireland's leader calls Russia's invasion of Ukraine a violation of international law as the Kremlin warns against a war crimes tribunal. The use of terror against and the deliberate targeting of civilian populations are war crimes. Those responsible, those carrying out these actions, and those directing them will be held fully accountable. The WHO malls declaring monkeypox a global health threat as it worries about a surge in COVID-19 cases. I continue to be concerned by the scale and spread of the virus across the world. There has now been more than 6,000 cases recorded in 58 countries. And Britain's Prime Minister Boris Johnson rejects call to resign. We'll have these stories and more next on International Edition. Stay tuned. Irish Prime Minister Michael Martin said on Wednesday that Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a gross violation of international law and that there will be, quote, no hiding places, unquote, for those committing war crimes. These are top Russian officials warned the U.S. that it could face what he called, quote, the wrath of God, unquote, if it pursues efforts to help establish an international tribunal to investigate Moscow's action in Ukraine. Dmitry Medvedev is the Deputy Secretary of Russia's Security Council, chaired by President Vladimir Putin, and a former Russian president. He denounced the U.S. for what he described as its efforts to, quote, spread chaos and destruction across the world, unquote. Washington has denied the charges. Irish Prime Minister Michael Martin. The use of terror uh, against and the deliberate targeting of civilian populations are war crimes. Those responsible, uh, those carrying out these actions and those directing them will be held fully accountable and there will be no hiding places. Although we are on either side of the sides of the continent, Irish people have been enormously moved by the suffering of the people of Ukraine. You are very much in our hearts. Every Irish town and city is a sea of yellow and blue. We have welcomed almost 40,000 Ukrainians fleeing the war. They are welcome to stay in Ireland for as long as they need to. Our home is your home, but we do know that they want to come home, and you want them back as quickly as possible also. And we will work with you in terms of reconstruction and, and, and so forth. That's Irish Prime Minister Michael Martin speaking during a trip to Ukraine. Until February 24th, when Vladimir Putin sent his troops into Ukraine, the Cold War was encapsulated in history museums as a dark period in European history. But the divide between Moscow and the West is showing no signs of healing, and analysts said the current state of relations could be the start of a new Cold War or the continuation of the old one. Marcus Hutton narrates this report from Moscow. 
More than four months after the start of the Russian offensive on Ukraine, the world has changed, and Russia is once again at odds with Western powers. As the Russian leadership is portraying it, the ones who have raised this new iron curtain in Europe are the countries of the Atlantic Alliance after their recent summit in Madrid. Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Alexander Grushko. It seems to me that the best conclusion we could make is that NATO in Madrid accomplished an evolutionary about-face in its development after having been founded in 1949 and came back to its roots, i.e. to the principles of providing security, military security, dating back to the Cold War time period. Isolated from the international scene, the Russian president now seeks to strengthen the few allies he has left, especially with the Belarusian leader Alexander Lukashenko. The two have a plan for unification, which Mr. Putin contends the West is actually helping achieve. Unprecedented political and sanctions-related pressure exerted by the so-called collective West is pushing us to expedite the process of integration. In a divided Europe, the possibility of Ukraine and Moldova, former parts of the Soviet Union, ending up joining the Western Bloc, specifically the European Union, is also a matter of concern for the Kremlin, though analysts say NATO is Moscow's main fear. Andrei Kortunov is director general of the Russian International Affairs Council, a Moscow foreign policy think tank. The Russian leadership is mostly concerned by the deployment of the hostile military infrastructure on the territory of these countries. But since the European Union is not a strong player in the field of security, the rapprochement of Ukraine with the European Union should be less of a concern for the Kremlin than the rapprochement of Ukraine with NATO. On the streets, sentiments about the Atlantic alliance are often negative. We are not aggressive, but you, NATO, do not occupy our space, let us put it like that. Putin is quite correct in stating that we do not touch you, and you, NATO, do not touch our borders. But there are those who, after making sure that we are not from Russian state television, say otherwise. I do not consider NATO hostile, neither do I consider it as targeting against Russia. I think this is a club of interests. Let us put it like that. I do not see any threat in it for Russia. Life goes on in Moscow, while day by day more people believe a new Iron Curtain seems to be stretching across Europe, a second Cold War, or perhaps simply the old Cold War that never quite disappeared. Marcus Harton, VOA News. The administration of U.S. President Joe Biden has signaled it will participate fully in this week's foreign ministers' meeting of the Group of 20 Leading Rich and Developing Nations, where Russia's invasion of Ukraine will again take center stage. However, the White House says Russia's president remained dug in. VOA Senator Powell reports from the White House. Ukraine will dominate discussion as foreign ministers from the world's 20 wealthiest nations set the stage this week in Bali, Indonesia for the G20 summit in November. But the top U.S. diplomat does not plan to sit down with his Russian counterpart to try to negotiate an end to the four-month conflict. State Department spokesman Ned Price. 
I'm, I'm not in a position to walk through the choreography, uh, but I would not, certainly not expect uh, any meeting between uh, Secretary Blinken and Foreign Minister The Kremlin says Russian President Vladimir Putin will participate in the November summit, hosted by Indonesia, and G7 leaders said they would as well. VOA asked the White House if a negotiated settlement was possible by then. White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. But what we have seen uh, from from President Putin is he has he is not in a place or has no desire uh, to negotiate. Uh, so going to your first question now is our approach has not changed. Uh, we are going to continue to support Ukraine. We're going to continue to help uh, Ukraine um, uh, uh, fight for their democracy, fight for their uh, um, uh, territorial integrity. Russia is also dug in. The special military operation will continue until the tasks set by the Supreme Commander-in-Chief have been completed. As is Ukraine. We have no alternative. This is about our independence, about our future, about the fate of the entire Ukrainian nation. This determination, says analyst Mark Kansian, portends a long conflict. And he adds, it's further complicated because Russia has something the U.S. wants. For four months, Russian authorities have been holding American basketball star Brittany Griner on drug charges. The U.S. says she has been wrongfully detained. There are always uh, U.S. citizens being held by foreign governments. Most of them don't get a lot of attention because it's you know routine transgressions of local law. Uh, some of them get a lot of attention, as Griner has. Eventually, we'll make a deal. I mean, one of the problems with all the attention, though, is that makes the price get higher. So in other words, you know, the Russians may get more uh, in exchange uh, for her release. So now what? After four months, tens of thousands of deaths, millions of displaced civilians, several high-profile summits and continuing diplomacy, the conflict in Ukraine demonstrates a fundamental truth. War is hard. Finding peace will be harder still. Anita Powell, VOA News, the White House. Britain's Boris Johnson on Wednesday vowed to fight on against a curse of course for him to resign as Prime Minister. Flora Bradley Watson reports. But frankly, Mr. Speaker, the job of a Prime Minister in difficult circumstances when he's been handed a colossal mandate is to keep going. A defiant Boris Johnson brushed off growing calls for him to resign on Wednesday. The UK leader has been wounded by a stream of resignations from his top team and junior ministers. They have stepped down in protest over Johnson's conduct amid numerous scandals, the latest one being over whether his office told the truth about sexual misconduct allegations against a lawmaker. During Prime Minister's questions, the leader of the opposition, Keir Starmer, grilled Johnson on the issue. He knew the accused minister had previously committed predatory behaviour, but he promoted him to a position of power anyway. Why? Prime Minister, Mr Speaker, that individual, the uh, member for Tamworth, no longer has the Conservative whip, he no longer has a, a job. Johnson also faced withering attacks from his own party. Former Health Minister Sajid Javid, who along with the Finance Minister, resigned on Tuesday evening, stressed the need for integrity in politics. He also listed a series of scandals that had embroiled the Prime Minister in recent months, including the breaking of coronavirus lockdown rules. I continued to give the benefit of the doubt. And now this week again, we have reason to question the truth and integrity of what we've all been told. And at some point, we have to conclude 
that enough is enough. I believe that point is now. A month ago, Johnson survived a confidence vote of Conservative lawmakers. Current party rules mean he cannot face another such challenge for a year. However, some lawmakers are seeking to change those rules. That's Flora Bradley Watson of Reuters. Europe is repatriating increasing numbers of Islamic State-linked women and children who have languished for years in Syrian camps. The latest influx arrived in France this week in a move welcomed by rights groups as positive, but not enough. But as Lisa Bryan reports for VOA from Paris, the future of the new arrivals and those still at large remains uncertain. The 51 women and children who landed in Paris Tuesday amount to the French government's biggest intake of citizens linked to the Islamic State terror group to date. Their arrival underscores a sea change in France's long-standing policy of case-by-case repatriations. This is a welcome and long overdue step, but it's clearly not enough. Letta Taylor is a counterterrorism specialist for Human Rights Watch. Like other rights groups, HRW has long advocated for countries to bring their citizens home from Iraq and Syria. These children and mothers are living in in horrific conditions. They they lack sufficient food, clean water, uh, medical care, education. The shift to repatriations is also happening elsewhere in Europe. Last month, Belgium flew home 22 women and children. Germany, Denmark, and the Netherlands have organized similar returns in recent months. Among the latest repatriated to France is Emily Koenig, a Muslim convert from Brittany who became a notorious Islamic State recruiter. Her lawyer says she wants to cooperate with French authorities. Women will go to jail uh, either uh, because uh, they are to undergo trial or because uh, they are suspected to have uh, taken part in terrorist acts. Sociologist and jihadist expert Farhad Kostrokovar says that's a near-term fate of most women returnees here and likely elsewhere in Europe. Lisa Bryant for VOA News, Paris. In other news, FBI Director Christopher Wray said on Wednesday the Chinese government was, quote, the biggest long-term threat to our economic and national security, unquote. He made this statement during a joint speech with UK Security Services MI5 Director General Ken McCallum in London. The head of Britain's domestic spy agency echoed Wray's concerns, saying Beijing was looking to gain from exploiting Western, quote, democratic media and legal systems, unquote. Wray warned businesses against what he said, Where the practices of the Chinese government is that Beijing is using quote every tool unquote in order to steal technologies and using it in his words to undercut your business and dominate your market unquote. For more on this story and other breaking news, visit our website at voaafrica.com. Remember to connect with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Search for VOA Africa. You are listening to VOA's International Edition. I am Chinedu Afo in Washington. Horn of African leaders warned that the region's worst drought in 40 years is exacerbating political instability. They are calling for urgent humanitarian intervention to contain the problem affecting more than 23 million people. Mohamed Yusuf reports. 
Members of the Intergovernmental Authority on Development, a regional bloc that includes Djibouti, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Kenya, Somalia, South Sudan, Sudan and Uganda, met Tuesday in Nairobi to discuss humanitarian, political and security issues in the region. The humanitarian situation that has made more than 23 million people in Ethiopia, Kenya and Somalia food insecure took center stage at Iger's 39th head of state and government meeting. Kenyan President Uhuru Kenyatta said the countries in the region need to combat the drought situation. The drought, as our chairman has said, the worst in 40 years, has intensified food insecurity, dried up water resources, and forced displacement of people, raising tensions that could trigger new conflicts. And we urgently need to manage the drought before it becomes a threat multiplier. Some parts of the region have had four consecutive seasons without rain, forcing millions to move in search of food, water and pasture. Sudan's leader, Abdel Fattah al-Burhan, said the drought greatly affects the region and people's lives. He said if we do not handle the drought situation, it is going to be the worst we have seen in 40 years. Drought is killing our people and livestock. The drought has also become a reason for our underdevelopment. Experts predict the region may fail to get any rain between October and December. Amina Abdullah is the regional director for the Horn of Africa at Concern Worldwide, an Irish humanitarian agency. She recently warned that without urgent humanitarian assistance to millions, the region risks losing 350,000 children to hunger. The United Nations says it needs at least $4.4 billion to provide assistance until next month, but the donor support has fallen short of the targets. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. Thank you, Mohamed. The World Health Organization says more than 6,000 cases of monkeypox has now been reported from 58 countries in the current outbreak. WHO Director General Tedros Adnan Ghebreyesus told a virtual news conference from Geneva that the UN agency will reconvene a meeting of the committee that will advise on declaring the outbreak a global health emergency, the WHO's highest level of alert, in the week beginning July 18th or sooner. Tedros also raised concern about the rise of COVID-19 cases around the world. On monkeypox, I continue to be concerned by the scale and spread of the virus across the world. There has now been more than 6,000 cases recorded in 58 countries. Testing remains a challenge, and it's highly probable that there are a significant number of cases not being picked up. Europe is the current epicenter of the outbreak, recording more than 80% of cases globally. I plan to reconvene the emergency committee so they are updated on the current epidemiology and evolution of the outbreak and implementation of countermeasures on COVID-19. Globally, reported cases have increased nearly 30% over the past two weeks. Four out of six of the WHO subregions saw cases increase in the last week. In Europe and America, BA4 and BA5 are driving waves. In countries like India, a new sub-lineage of BA2.75 has also been detected, which we're following. That's WHO Director General Tedros Adnan Ghebreyesus. This is Science in a Minute. Dental professionals say our permanent teeth are meant to last a lifetime if we take care of them. This includes regular brushing and flossing our teeth. 
Those who don't take care of these crucial oral health chores often find out how easy it is to lose control of good dental health. Researchers from the University of Pennsylvania have conducted a proof-of-concept study that someday could lead to the development of what they call swarms of shape-shifting micro-robots that would automate these important dental health procedures. The scientists say that packs of these micro-robots made of iron oxide nanoparticles can be configured and directed to floss, brush, and rinse your teeth. They add that the nanoparticles produce a catalytic reaction that creates antimicrobials that also kills harmful oral bacteria. I'm VOA's Rick Pantaleo. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including Russia's aggression against Ukraine is high on the agenda as U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken meets with other foreign ministers from the Group of 20 this week in Bali, Indonesia. Join us for Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. Go beyond the daily headlines with VOA's Flashpoint Ukraine. Each weekday at 2105 UTC, join me, Steve Miller, as I put the latest developments into a global context with interviews and analysis. Listen online at voanews.com slash flashpoint or in your favorite podcast player. Hello, I'm Carol Castiel host of VOA's Encounter. Join me and two advocates from the world of politics, public policy, or academia debating critical and controversial issues of our day, bringing depth, perspective, and insight to the world around us. You can listen to Encounter on Saturdays and Sundays. That's Encounter every Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. And to our VOA listeners, please note we have moved our programs to a new website, voaafrica.com, from voanews.com. There you will find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com, and thanks for listening. This has been International Edition on The Voice of America. On behalf of the entire production team, Thank you so much for listening. Visit our website for in-depth coverage of world events and news 24 hours a day at voaafrica.com. Until next time, I am Chinurofo in Washington. Have a wonderful day. An editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. The United States is deeply concerned by the June 14th mass conviction of some 60 opposition activists in Cambodia, including Cambodian-American lawyer Thierry Seng. The sentencing of these opposition activists, many of whom are associated with the disbanded Cambodia National Rescue Party, is the latest instance in an alarming pattern of threats, intimidation, and persecution of opposition political leaders and parties. Convicted of treason, Thierry Sang was sentenced to six years in prison. The others received sentences of five to eight years. 
Thiri Seng told reporters she was ready for a sham guilty verdict. I am ready and prepared to go to the notorious Cambodian prison for my political opinions, for my beliefs, for my belief in democracy, for my belief in freedom, she said. I am ready to pay the price of prison in order that I live out my conscience and my belief in freedom and justice. U.S. Ambassador to Cambodia Patrick Murphy tweeted out, We are deeply troubled by the verdict against Thiri Seng. Freedom of expression and association and tolerance of dissenting views are vital components of democracy. We call on Cambodian authorities to release her and other human rights activists from unjust imprisonment. Prime Minister Hun Sen has ruled Cambodia for 37 years, rising to prominence in the 1980s after the defeat of the Khmer Rouge regime. The Cambodia National Rescue Party was Hun Sen's biggest political rival before it was disbanded by a court ruling prior to national elections in 2018 that led to victory for Hun Sen's Cambodia People's Party. Thierry Sang and most of the other defendants were charged over a failed attempt by the leader of the Cambodia National Rescue Party to return from exile in 2019. All Cambodians should be able to exercise their human rights, to express their views freely, to assemble peacefully and to choose their leaders, said State Department spokesperson Ned Price. We call on Cambodian authorities to release all those unjustly detained, including Thierry Sang, and protect freedoms of expression, association, and peaceful assembly, consistent with Cambodia's constitution and its international obligations and commitments. The United States stands with the Cambodian people and remains steadfast in support of their aspirations for democracy and human rights. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government.